All right, welcome everyone to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and joining me today is Brian Wells. For the first time since the early summer, today's episode will feature sports other than the NFL, but that doesn't mean we won't have any football segments. With the season a quarter of the way through, we're going to buy or sell stocks of some potential contenders based on how we feel about their playoff chances. It's October, and that means the Major League Baseball postseason has arrived. We'll go through all 10 teams and discuss how each can win the World Series before giving our ALCS, NLCS, and World Series predictions. The NHL is back this week, so we'll go over things we're watching for this hockey season. We'll break down some of the most noteworthy teams and players in each division before giving our playoff and Stanley Cup predictions. And in honor of National Taco Day, Brian and I count down our favorite Taco Bell menu items in today's Top 5. So welcome back to another episode of He's Done It. Uh, just Brian and I today. Uh, like the San Francisco 49ers, Ben is on a bye week as we will be talking a lot of baseball and hockey today, which are sports that veteran listeners are probably well aware that they're not Ben's strong suit. But before we get into those topics, let's start off by talking some NFL. We've been doing it every episode since the beginning of August, so I stop now. And we're going to play a little segment called Buy or Sell. So Brian and I each came up with three teams uh, where we are going to ask the other person if they're going to buy or sell their playoff chances. If you buy, that means you like them to make the postseason. If you sell, that means you predict that they'll be staying home come January. So Brian, I'll start off. My first team for you comes with the NFC South. That is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So this week, you pick the Bucs as your upset over the Los Angeles Rams at plus nine and a half. Even with that large spread, I thought that was a crazy pick. I thought the Rams would win that game fairly easily. And not only did the Bucs cover, but they won outright by multiple touchdowns. So, Brian, are you buying or selling the Buccaneers? So before I get into that, can I just say that my upset picks this year have been crazy good and my locks have been unbelievably bad this year. I just <laughs> thought I'd bring that up. But yeah, for the Bucks pick at plus nine and a half, I'll admit that was mostly because I was down on the Rams after the first few games and I thought the line was just, there was just way too much value there at plus nine and a half. And I was it was really just the fact that the Rams offense... I mean, it's looked fine. I mean, Cooper Cup especially, but I'm just not a huge believer in Jared Goff, especially when he's under pressure. I mean, he had three interceptions in that game, and he also had a that big fumble at the uh, near the end of the game, and that sealed the deal for the Bucks uh, upsetting the Rams. And with that being said, I'm still selling the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it's really because I, even though Jameis Winston has been really great the past couple of games. He's still very turnover prone. I mean, we saw at the end of that game, he still threw a pick six to get the Rams back in that game. And I personally still like 
the Saints and the Panthers um, more than the Bucks in terms of their chances of uh, making the playoffs. And I do buy Shaq Barrett though, the you know defensive player on the Buccaneers, nine sacks to start the season. Uh, I mean, outside of Mahomes and Russell Wilson, he's probably the MVP of the first quarter of the season. So I'll buy probably the favorite to win defensive player of the year. Yeah. So I'll buy him as being legit, but in terms of a whole, I will sell on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, eight touchdowns, two interceptions for Jameis Winston in his last three games since throwing three picks in the opener against San Francisco. I'm tempted to buy the Bucs, but I'm also going to sell them. I just need to see more out of Jameis, but he's looked good the past two weeks, and he keeps playing like this. The NFC South, yeah, the Saints look good with uh, Teddy Bridgewater at their quarterback, but after that, it feels like it's a little wide open, and there's a chance for them to take advantage and uh, sneak in as a wild card. If they were in the AFC, I'd be more likely to buy them rather than sell them, since the AFC is really not that great after the Patriots and the Chiefs. And the NFC is really, every division is really compelling, and you can make a case for a lot of teams in each division, and even the Bucks still. Uh, they're going into the Superdome uh, this weekend, facing the New Orleans Saints, so if they were to pull off, I don't know if it's an upset, like a huge upset, but I think it is an upset. Uh, I think I think the Saints are still favored. If they were to go in and win that game, then yeah, maybe if, if you ask that same question next week, maybe I would be leaning towards buying than selling. But for now, I'm still selling. For my first team for you um, is the Buffalo Bills. Now, earlier this year or before the season started, I know we both talked about uh, the other teams in the AFC East, uh, besides the Patriots, uh, we I, we brought up the Bills and the Jets being possible playoff contenders, and you lean with the Bills making the playoffs, and I admittedly lean towards the Jets being that nine and seven team, and that is looking really stupid right now. So the Bills are the one team in the AFC outside of the Patriots and the Chiefs that have a better than a five hundred record. They're three and one. They got their first loss versus the Patriots this past weekend. But they almost did pull off the upset. They only lost by six. Uh, and we saw how great their defense is. But I'm not a believer in Josh Allen. It's basically a, a Chicago Bears team, but in a smaller market where the defense is awesome. But the quarterback is really their main flaw. So my question to you is, I think we're both buyers and them making the playoffs. But are you a buyer or a seller in terms of them going any further than the wild card that's maybe unfair but uh i'd just like to get your thoughts on that yeah i i'm still going to buy into their playoff chances the bills were my upset pick this week that game went just about how i expected it to go with the bills defense smothering brady making him look mortal compared to the three defenses he played prior to this game but Josh Allen just making a few more mistakes, and ultimately the Bills having a chance to win, but not capitalizing in the end. So I'm going to buy their playoff chances still, because at 3-1, and one, they're the third best record in the AFC. As you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of not great teams, or at least a bunch of 2-2 two and two teams that you don't really know what to make of them. I think the Bills' defense is still legitimately one of, if not the best. They, in the have, one of the best, they have one of the best past defenses led by Tredavious White, Micah Hyde. Jordan yeah, Boyer. absolutely. Yeah, so. And I, I, f- I feel bad that 
their quarterback is Josh Allen right now. And I think that he showed signs of promise, and I'm not going to totally write him off after one game. But I, I don't think this Bills team is yet to be any kind of a threat in the postseason, whether or not they get there. 153 passing yards and three interceptions is definitely not going to get the job done. All right, so next team for you, the Detroit Lions. So last week you picked them as your upset over the Eagles, which they pulled off. This week you picked the Chiefs as your lock, and the Lions almost beat them. They covered the spread and had a chance to win at the very end. So are you buying or selling the two one and one Detroit Lions? I will lean with sell just because uh, I'm just not a believer in them Compared to the other teams in that division, I still like the Bears, especially with their defense. Even though Trubisky, I know I've talked in the past that I'm not very high on him. I still like their chances more. Uh, the Packers, yes, they did not. Their defense did not look good this past Thursday, but first three games of the year they they have looked good, and and I think Aaron Rodgers and the the rest of their offense will uh, be able to turn it around after sort of a slow start to the season. So. And so I just like the other team's chances in that division as well more. Um, so I'm going to sell on the Lions. Yeah, I'm also going to sell on the Lions. I know we talked about them last week and uh, what they could do if they pulled out a couple wins during the stretch. They had a chance against the Chiefs. They looked good, uh, but we'll see what they can do against division rivals Green Bay and Minnesota in the next two weeks. So for my second team, I went with the New York Giants. I know you went with them as a lock, and that was a good choice for sure, especially facing a pretty terrible Washington Redskins team. They started out 0-2, but they're now 2-0 and with Daniel Jones as their quarterback. He was arguably, in my opinion, one of the best uh, players of Week 3, even though it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, but I also, they also don't have Saquon Barkley as of right now. Their secondary is still pretty poor, uh, and I still think they're a tier below Dallas and Philly in that division, but I'd like to get more of your thoughts on them. Yeah, I'm selling the Giants. I I am very impressed by Daniel Jones and his start to the season. But, you know, they're 2-2, two and two, but they're a Matt Gay 34-yard field goal away, uh, missed field goal away from being 1-3. and three. They beat up on the Redskins, which I'm not surprised by at all, but I just don't really take them serious as playoff contenders yet. But I do believe that with Danny Dimes, the Giants' future is much brighter than I had thought it was just a few months ago. All right, so last team view, Brian, the Philadelphia Eagles. So you picked the Eagles to lose to the Lions. You said they're too injured, their secondary is terrible, and you nailed that. This week, they went out and they beat the undefeated Packers in Lambeau Field. So, are you back on the Eagles' playoff chances? Yes, I am a buyer of the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'll admit, I had them winning the the division this year, and that's probably not looking as good right now with how great the Cowboys have looked, even though they did lose to the Saints just this past Sunday. But that was a very ballsy win going into Lambeau Field and winning that game. And I think they're one. They're I think they're the best two and two team right now. Uh, anywhere in the NFL. Uh, I know Wentz makes questionable decisions in the pocket at times, but I still am pretty high on him this year. And yes, their secondary has not looked good, but maybe they can improve it if they get Jalen Ramsey. Um, Not sure about that, but they still have an amazing D-line and they're going to get Jerrigan back as well. So I am still a buyer on the Eagles this year. 
I'm buying the Eagles as well, especially because I think it's only a matter of time before Howie Roseman gives up whatever it takes to require Ramsey from Jacksonville. So the Eagles were a playoff team in my mind before the season started. I still think they are, whether it's winning the East or as a wild card. So for my last team, I went with the Seattle Seahawks. So they are 3-1 and one to start the year, which is good, of course. But the three teams they beat were the Cincinnati Bengals, barely by a point. They beat a Mason Rudolph-led Steelers, and they beat the Cardinals, who, even though they're led by Kyler Murray, who I'm high on, they're clearly still years away from being a good team. And the one loss that they do have was against an actual good team in the Saints, even without Drew Brees starting as their QB. They also have the Rams and Ben's Niners with winning records in that division. And so I'd like to get more of your thoughts on whether whether you think they can beat those teams or just be a wildcard team to make the playoffs. Thursday night, the Seahawks host the Rams. Rams coming off a tough loss against the Bucks. Seattle at home, Central League Field in a primetime game. I think the Seahawks win it, jump to 4-1, and one, move a game ahead of the Rams. And from there, they are... I don't want to say coast into the playoffs, but they they get an early stranglehold on that division potentially. And uh, for that reason, I'm going to buy the Seahawks. But if they lose, then I'm selling them right away. (laughs) Take it. All right. So before we move on, let's wrap this up by buying or selling the entire AFC South. So we have four teams that are all two and two. I thought going into the season that this was the tightest division, the one division where I was like, any four of these teams have a realistic playoff chance. And right now there's been no separation. So Brian, which teams in this division are you buying and which ones are you selling? So I know I've talked about in the past that I'm not a believer in the Houston Texans coaching staff. And it feels like Watson has to do everything for that team. But if I had to pick out of the four teams, I will be a buyer on the Houston Texans, but no one else. I think the Titans, yes, they pulled off the upset versus Atlanta, but I'm still, I still don't really think highly of Mariota and the rest of their offense. And then for the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, I'll buy Gardner Minshew and all the memes that have been created this season. Uh, but their secondary outside of Ramsey, especially this past weekend did not look great. Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton uh, were sort of lighting them up uh, this past Sunday. And they have a, they don't really have the greatest offensive line, and they're one of the most penalized teams in the league. And this is just a personal bias. I'm not a huge fan of run-first teams. I know the Cowboys are a run-first team, but they also have a great, a pretty good mobile quarterback in Dak Prescott. But outside of them, I'm not really a huge fan of uh, teams that lean on the running back as their primary Uh, weapon on offense even though Leonard Fournette did look great this past weekend so I'm a seller on them as well and then for the last team the Indianapolis Colts uh, I was high on the rest of their team and I was I even like Jacoby Brissett as well I think he's a pretty decent quarterback but losing to Oakland at home that even without T.Y. Hilton and other uh, pieces on their defense that's a terrible loss so uh, my opinion of the Colts has really dropped from this just this past weekend. I know it's kind of sudden, but that's a pretty bad loss. So I'm a seller. I would be a seller on just all of them, but if I had to pick one team, I was still in with the Houston Texans and thinking they they can turn it around with how how good their offense is with Watson, Hopkins, and even Will Fuller. 
I kind of want to hedge my bet here and uh, buy both the Texans and the Titans. So I, I thought both of them were playoff teams heading into the season. Marcus Mariota looked really good uh, this week against the Atlanta Falcons, and I know the Falcons are, are not in great shape right now, but I'm, I'm if I had to choose one team, it would also be the Texans. I think that while Minshew Mania has been very fun, I don't know how much I'm buying into Jacksonville, especially their their latest victory is over and now 0-4 Denver Broncos team. And the Colts, how do you lose to the Raiders at home like that? I don't know what to make of that team, but I think that they're somewhere in the 6-10 and 10 to 8-8 eight and eight range, so I'm definitely selling them. I think the Texans win this division. I think the Texans maybe win a playoff game, but they don't get any further in the postseason than that. So this whole division, I'm not ready to buy any of these teams as legitimate contenders, but one of them's got to make the playoffs. Right. Maybe two, So. All right, so uh, let's move on from the NFL and talk a little baseball because it is October and the MLB postseason is here. Uh, Now, before we get into this conversation, I just want to say that I'm normally very excited about the playoffs. This is the first year in a while that I'm not, and that's because this is the first time since 2012 that neither the Red Sox nor the Pirates are in the playoffs, and there's a lot of teams in baseball that I'm not a huge fan of, and it feels like all of them are in the playoffs right now. <laughs> so there's a lot more teams that I don't want to win than would be fine with them actually winning. So we'll see. I'm sure that I'll still end up watching a lot of postseason baseball. I kind of, uh, and I, Brian, I know you're a big baseball fan, but yeah, also a Red Sox. I kind of have similar thoughts. I'm in the past. I've been. A, I'm obviously a lifelong Red Sox fan, and. I'm a pretty big baseball fan, but by the year by year, I feel I am less and less interested, especially when the Red Sox are not in the playoffs. Uh, and yeah, looking around the rest of the the playoff format, I'm not a fan of like basically any of the teams, like maybe the Astros, uh, but now they're loaded and it, they're, they're not really an underdog anymore. So yeah, looking around, I'm not as intrigued as I am as other past years like you. No, but that doesn't mean we can't talk about it. We can't talk about these teams and give some predictions of what we expect to happen. And let's start in the National League because we're recording this a little before the start of the NL wildcard game between the Washington Nationals and the Milwaukee Brewers. Max Scherzer, one of the best in the business, going for Washington. Brandon Woodruff going for Milwaukee. So the Brewers have an MVP candidate in Christian Yelich, but he broke his kneecap in early September and done for the year. Looks like Milwaukee was, their playoffs hopes are pretty much dashed. But since then, they won 18 out of 23 games to get in as that second wild card. As for the Nationals, they started 19 and 31, 12 games under 500 back in May. And they turned things around fairly quickly and wound up in the playoffs as a wild card, came close to catching the Braves. It looked like they had a chance at one point earlier in the season, despite Atlanta building a big lead on them. So let's talk about these two teams kind of together, because one of them is going to lose their first playoff game, and the other one is going to advance to face the Los Angeles Dodgers in the NLDS. Yeah, and if I were to pick pick this game, I would lean with the Washington Nationals. And I know that we both were, we talked about earlier in the year that even without Bryce Harper, we were still pretty high on this team making the postseason and look where they are, even though they're not a division winner. 
they still were able to get a wild card appearance, and it is led by a team led by Trey Turner, Anthony Rendon, Juan Soto, who have all have had great years. And looking at the pitching matchup, I know Max Scherzer hasn't had a perfect postseason record, but he's still one of the best pitchers in the game. And just looking at the pitching matchup, I would easily lean Max Scherzer in this matchup uh, over, over uh, who is it again, Woodrow? Brandon Woodruff, yeah. Right. Yeah, so I mean, I keep going back and forth on this game because I think just looking at those two names, obviously Scherzer is going to jump out at you uh, in terms of Brandon Woodruff, maybe not as big of a household name, but he has been the best pitcher for the Brewers this season, 11-3, and 362 RA and 22 starts, but he's only made two since middle of July, and he only pitched two innings in both of those games. Like you said, though, Scherzer hasn't been fantastic in the postseason in his career, uh, so I don't know how huge of an advantage that is, especially because this isn't the same Max Scherzer that we were used to maybe three, four, five, six years ago. Uh, but when you look at Washington, really, they can score, and they do it without hitting home runs, really. Now, not to say they don't. They were still sixth in the National League, but they were second in runs, and they were also second in batting average. Or excuse me, they were third in batting average, second in on-base percentage, second in steals. They find ways, they get creative to be able to get runs scored. And they're going to need to do that against Milwaukee because while Woodruff might not be the greatest starter, I imagine he'll be on a short leash, especially knowing that he has his injury, you know, still trying to come back from that. And their bullpen is loaded. So if Milwaukee can get some innings out of Josh Hader, Brent Suter, even Drew Pomerantz has looked pretty solid since they acquired him from San Francisco, and they can slow down those Nationals bats, I think Milwaukee has a good chance of winning this one. I would still lean with the I still I would still lean with the Nationals, even though in the past, like pretty much any year you look, uh, they've just had just been miserable in the playoffs. They don't really go any further than the the divisional round, but. I think the Nationals can win in so many different ways, whether it's with their power or with their speed. I mean, Trey Turner had over 30 steals this year. Victor Robles, uh, he had almost 30 steals as well. Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto had over 30 home runs and over 100 RBIs. And they could beat you so many ways with their power or with their speed. And and then just combining that with a past Cy Young winner. I just, I would, even though it's just one game and anything can happen, I would still lean with the Nationals to win this game. So let's say the Nationals do move on to the divisional series by winning tonight. Their rotation is loaded. And at least in terms of on paper, Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, Anibal Sanchez as their top four in that playoff rotation, it's kind of hard to find a team that can send a great starter out every single game. That being said, they really need their starters to last long in their games because their bullpen was really, really bad. In fact, they were the worst in the league. 5.66 ERA, even worse than the Baltimore Orioles by a few percentage points. Their closer, Sean Doolittle, was fine throughout the season, but he still had a 4.05 ERA, 29-35 on save opportunities. So I think if Washington gets down to the end of the games and they really need their bullpen to step up, that's when things are going to be difficult for them, especially if it means having to face the Los Angeles Dodgers. That sounds like a lot like the Red Sox last year, where you loved everything about their roster except their bullpen. And yes, they did win the World Series last year, but... They needed the desperately needed the bullpen to step up, and which they did, but you didn't feel really confident about it. So, 
I mean, I'm not saying that's this. You should think the same way for the Nationals, but you should still feel confident about the rest of their roster. Yeah, and Washington made a few additions at the trade deadline to try to boost this bullpen, and most of them didn't work out. Uh, but yeah, the Red Sox are a case study. If you don't necessarily need a great bullpen to win a World Series these days, you also don't necessarily need a great rotation if you have a really good bullpen, and that's something that Milwaukee has. So let's say Milwaukee does pull out this win tonight. Do you think that their bullpen can, or I guess really their their entire team in general, minus Christian Yelich, can get over the Dodgers, who they took to seven games last season? They can absolutely win this the game versus the Nationals, but to get past the Dodgers, a team that they lost to with Christian Yelich, I don't see it, especially since the Dodgers were by far the best team in the National League and arguably the best team this year. So I would pass, I would sell on the Brewers making any (laughs) further than the Divisional Series. Yeah, so I guess as good as the Brewers were down the stretch, their offense definitely was not the reason why. It was their pitching. And if they can get consistent pitching, I do think that they could maybe slow down the Dodgers' bats, but they're going to need guys to step up, and they're going to need some of the young guys like Keston Hiera. He'd be a good name to look out for. I know Lorenzo Cain has been dealing with some injuries, and he, he doesn't necessarily have the greatest bat, or at least compared to his uh, amazing fielding abilities. But Milwaukee, I, I think that it'll be much more difficult for them this year, especially because the Dodgers have home field advantage. Last year, Milwaukee got to play four of those seven games in Miller Park. Um, So I guess let's uh, move on and talk about those Dodgers a little more. 106 wins, most in the National League, won the NL West for the seventh consecutive year, and they've been in the World Series the past two years, didn't win either one. So, of course, the one and only goal for the Dodgers entering the regular season as well as now entering the postseason to win the whole thing. Wow, seven years in a row, even with the Giants winning three out of five World Series from 2010 to 2014, I I wouldn't have guessed that. But, yeah, the Dodgers are, again, loaded and led by Cody Bellinger, who had, uh, in my opinion, was the MVP of the National League. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, Especially with Yelich's injury, I think it should be Bellinger. I mean, it was, yeah, it was between Bellinger and Yelich. And after after the Yelich injury, it's probably uh, unanimous that Cody Bellinger is going to win the MVP this year. And he's going to be, uh, he's going to make a bigger impact than he did this the last postseason. I mean, there were times when Cody Bellinger got benched because of the lefty-lefty matchup. And he had a, over 300 average this year, but, like past season, like he he wasn't getting on base as consistently, or he didn't even provide the power as consistent as he did this year. But this year was has been clearly a breakout year for him, and it only helps the Dodgers' chances of not uh, losing three three years in a row in the World Series. For the Dodgers, it's really hard to find a huge flaw on their roster, their rotation, even if they only send out three starters in Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw, and Hyunjin Ryu, I think that could be enough for them to get through at least the National League portion of the postseason. They had the number one pitching ERA in all of baseball. I know a lot of people want to talk about their bullpen, but they had the fourth best bullpen ERA as well. So I think the real big question mark for this team is their closer, Kenley Jansen. And he blew eight saves this season. There were a lot of times where the Dodgers really counted on him. He wasn't reliable. And last season in the playoffs, he didn't give up a run. 
against the Brewers or in the NLDS matchup with the Braves, but he didn't look good in three appearances against the Red Sox. So I think they're really going to need to lean on him. And if he's pitching well in the postseason, and especially in the World Series, I think the Dodgers will be a difficult team for anybody to beat. You were talking about the three starters of Bueller, uh, Hinjin Ru, and Clayton Kershaw, and just using those three. I think, I don't think that's a bad strategy. I mean, yes, they can. It might be a little bit more difficult the deeper they go in the postseason. But we saw the New York Yankees back in two thousand nine. They used CC Sabathia, AJ Burnett, and Andy Pettit, just those three as their starters, and they were still able to win the World Series. So, I, I still think I think they can use only three starters uh, for as long as they can, especially. Being having those three as basically elite pitchers, and I mean Hinjin Ryu had a terrific first half of the season, and of course Clayton Kershaw uh, has been a past say and past MVP candidate or not candidate but winner, and then Walker Bueller, he was like he was probably arguably the best pitcher on the Dodgers in the World Series last season. Uh, in Game Three, he was terrific, and yeah, that won eighteen innings, and his performance didn't really really matter that much, but. Uh, he was awesome. So uh, so I would feel confident with not just their offense, but also their starting rotation. And yeah, it, it's just a matter of can Kenley, Kenley Jansen uh, turn it around and uh, perform better in the playoffs. Yeah, and if you look at the Dodgers offense, of course, Cody Bellinger uh, joining him in the outfield, A.J. Pollock, their big free agent signing from Arizona. And then if you look at the infield, they have a little bit of injury concern with Justin Turner right now. But they still have some capable guys who could fill in, like Max Muncy or David Freeze. Corey Seager is healthy. They didn't have him last postseason and said they had Manny Machado. And, you know, maybe that's a downgrade. But Corey Seager has, of course, been very good for the Dodgers in recent years. So I really do think that L.A. is a deserving favorite to win the National League pennant this year. Um, and before we move on from them, I do want to say back in our preseason prediction episode in April, I said the Dodgers would win the NL West by at least 15 games, and they won by 21 games. So I uh, I think that I nailed that one. <laughs> I know a lot of people were big on the Colorado <laughs> Rockies, and they were terrible. So I, I didn't think they'd be as I'll, bad I'll admit, as no, were. I... I didn't have the Rockies going to the playoffs, but I did think they'd be a lot better than they did than they than they performed this season. And yeah, I was, I mean, yeah, I didn't have them in the playoffs, but I will still take the L on them being at least pretty good because they were not really that good at all. All right, so our last uh, National League series, the one that we know will actually happen, that's the Atlanta Braves and the St. Louis Cardinals. So the Braves won the NL East for the second straight season, while the Cardinals are in the playoffs for the first time since 2015, when they had a three-year stretch of being the best team in the National League in the regular season. So I think this is a very intriguing series, because while the Dodgers feel like a, a pretty big favorite, I think both of these teams are very, very good, and they have a legitimate chance of knocking off LA if they can only beat their opponent in the first round. I mean, the thing with the the Braves is that since the early 2000s, I mean, they feel like the Washington Nationals of of the past where they get the they make they win the division, but then in the divisional round, they just end up losing. Uh but maybe it'll be a different year for the Braves since they haven't had 
it's been a while since they've been in the postseason, but uh, I think a team led by Freddie Freeman and their offense and and Dansby Swanson and and then uh, Tyler Flowers. I think I think they can make some noise in the postseason. I don't and but I do agree though the Dodgers should still be an overwhelming favorite uh, to win the National League. But I am I'm looking forward to to the series. So I guess looking at Atlanta, they have their big three. Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, just totally broke out this season. 41 home runs, 37 steals. And then Freddie Freeman, Josh Donaldson, 38 and 37 home runs. Uh, of course, Donaldson, the bringer of rain. These are guys who can put the ball out of the park. They have a lot of splashy players. But there is some concern with Atlanta and that Ronald Acuna got, he was injured, uh, I think a, a groin injury in Kansas City, the final week of the season, hasn't played since September 24th. So I assume that Acuna will do everything is in his power to be on the field, but there's questions of is he going to be able to play in center? And if he has, there's also a- questions of of Josh Donaldson as well, um, not being able to suit up for Game One, and then Ender and and Ciardi. Yeah, was- he's out for the whole series, and I think that's yeah. huge with Acuna's injury as well because they, I think the Braves would feel much more comfortable putting. Acuna in a corner outfield spot if Enciarte could play center. But instead, I think they would have to rely on Billy Hamilton as their center fielder, who was... Who's got a ton of speed, but I mean, he's, basically, he's, he's basically Juan Pierre of of this generation where he's he has he's, he's got plenty of speed, but he's really not going to do much else. No, and I think that could be something to watch for with Atlanta in terms of some of their injury concerns in this series. Uh, of course, uh, with the Braves, they're big downside like many other teams in the postseason is their bullpen they had a 360 era in september though after being really not good early in the season mark melanson who they acquired from the giants of the trade deadline has stepped up as their closer so i think if atlanta can continue that moderate success that they had down the stretch that could do them wonders in the playoffs um, and I guess if you look at their rotation, there's there's a little bit of question marks in terms of who's going to be getting the ball from them. Mike Soroka, Dallas Keuchel for sure. But then from there, it's Julio Tehran, Max Fried, Mike Fultinavich. They're guys who have had decent success at one point or another throughout the season, but they haven't been super consistent. So it'll be interesting to see how they do, especially knowing some of the bullpen struggles, uh, whether or not they're totally corrected. Their strength is current is is clearly their offense with especially the power that they provide and given that Ronald Cunha uh, had forty plus home runs and Freddie Freeman has of course he's been a power hitter in the league for a while and I, I mean they're not like the Nationals where they can beat you with speed and power it's really just uh, it's really just their power with four plus guys having thirty plus home runs and and Ronald Cunha being the only one who's had an much success stealing bases. So I think it's going to come down to their offense and especially since their pitch, the pitching is pretty good. I mean, Dallas Keuchel in the past with the Astros, he's had some success, but it's really going to come down to their offense. All right. So uh, I guess shifting focus to the St. Louis Cardinals, their opponents. So the Cardinals are in the playoffs for the first time since 2015. As we said, 2013 to 2015, they had the best record in the National League. They made the World Series in 2013, lost to the Red Sox, both 14 and 15. They fell out of the playoffs in the League Championship Series and the Divisional Series, respectively. So this 
2019 team, they won the division, they won 91 games, and while they're the three seed, I don't know if they're clearly ahead of the Nationals or the Brewers in the playoffs. But historically, we've seen the Cardinals win the World Series with teams that were easy to write off. The 2006 team won 83 games, winning the NL Central, and they went on to win the World Series. And the 2011 team snuck into the postseason as a wild card, famously coming back from nine and a half games back of the Atlanta Braves, and they won the World Series. So this Cardinals team kind of gives off the vibe of a team that just going to come out of nowhere and win this whole thing. I agree with that. I mean, it's really been their postseason that's, where they shine the brightest. I mean, in the past, they, they won the World Series in 06 and 2011, and they made the World Series in 13 and lost to the Red Sox. But And they've, they've had other playoff success as well in other, in other years. And uh, I think with Paul Goldschmidt added this past, uh, this past offseason and having Yadier Molina still catching for their team and Colton Wong being a terrific second baseman, I yes, I do agree that the Cardinals, yeah, they're probably not as great as other past years, and you can even make a case that the Nationals or the Brewers are better. But um, I still like the fact that they're historically a good postseason team. So i I like their chances against. I like the this series versus the Braves uh, to be a very close five game series. Yeah, so for the Cardinals, their star, particularly in the second half, was starting pitcher Jack Flaherty. He kind of struggled in the first half of the season, but something clicked after the All-Star break, going 7-2 and with an 0-91 ERA. So he's a guy that the Cardinals will look to rely on, and unfortunately they had to pitch him on Sunday uh, to clinch the NL Central because it took him to the last day of the season. But... They have a really solid rotation after him with Miles Michaelis, Dakota Hudson, and the ageless Adam Wainwright. They combined to have the best September ERA in all of baseball, uh, at least in terms of starting pitchers. So they're a team that's going to try to lean on their pitching. And they almost have to because their offense, while they have some big names like Paul Goldschmidt, Marcelo Zuna, those guys were relatively disappointing this season. Colton Wong was one of their best hitters, and he has some injury concerns. Tommy Edmond kind of came out of nowhere for this team. He stole Matt Carpenter's job, who he's been a a long, steady guy at the top of the Cardinals lineup, and Edmond was the only Cardinals hitter to bat above 300 this season. So it'll be interesting to see if those bats do come alive in October, which I think they're going to need to, but they can reasonably rely on their pitching to at least get them maybe past Atlanta and then see from there. Jack Flaherty definitely was their best pitcher uh, this season, but I do like the fact that they have Adam Wainwright, who's had a ton of postseason experience uh, in their rotation. And I think also having Andrew Miller, who who in the past, especially on the Cleveland Indians, was huge for them in their bullpen, having him on their staff uh, as well is going to help. So, yeah, I do agree that their pitching is uh, is definitely going to be needed uh, to win, to advance in the postseason. Yeah, they certainly have a lot of playoff experience on that roster. A lot of the names didn't have the greatest season, but we've seen, like we said, not great Cardinals teams come alive when it matters in October. 
So let's move on to the American League, and we'll start with the wild cards. The Oakland Athletics in the postseason for the second year in a row, taking on the Tampa Bay Rays, first time since 2013. Uh, Despite winning 90 games last season, they fell short. And this game will be taking place in Oakland. Uh, It's a city that is quickly losing sports teams with the Warriors uh, heading across the bay to San Francisco and the Raiders going to Vegas next year. So... For the A's, I think it's pretty remarkable what they've been able to do. So I, I assume you've seen Moneyball? I have seen it, yes. Yeah, most most baseball fans are probably familiar with that. The, of course, the Oakland A's uh, with general manager Billy Bean took a, a Moneyball approach, ways of building a really good team in a small market when you don't have as much money to spend as teams like the New York Yankees, Boston Red Sox, Los Angeles Dodgers. Using a statistical approach, yeah, of winning baseball games. Yes, yes, and... You know, I I didn't think that they would be a playoff team this season. I thought last year was kind of fluky in a sense of how they came out of uh, a really disappointing start to the season to get into the playoffs. And they did the same thing this year. So in terms of Oakland last year, they lost to the Yankees in the first or in the wild card game. This time they're at home. So how are you feeling about the A's heading into the playoffs? Fine, but I in this matchup, I do like the Tampa Bay Rays. And I'll admit, it's a little bit of bias just because there's sort of been the underdog for several years. And we saw in 08 that they came out of nowhere and beat the Red Sox and made it all the way to the World Series when they were probably projected to finish fourth or fifth in their division as like every year. And I, we were both pretty high on them to make the postseason. And... Uh, and I still like them to continue as well past the Oakland A's. And I like how Charlie Morton, I like what I've seen from Charlie Morton the past, this past month, especially his last start versus the Yankees. I, I think he's going to be the biggest difference in this, uh, in this wild, this one game playoff. And uh, because of that, I do like, I like his experience um, with the Astros in the past. And I like what he's done with the Rays this season. And I like, I think with him, he's going to be the biggest difference in winning this game. Yeah. So Morton, uh, he has he was the guy who closed out Game Seven of the World Series to the Astros a couple of years ago. He certainly has a lot of playoff experience, but I think I don't know. I'm I'm kind of leaning towards Oakland in this one. The and Oakland, the, the A's definitely do have a better offense, and that that's a big thing. Two. Is the and Rays? They don't are have a they good are top offense. ten and they are top ten in runs and top five in home runs. So. So I'll admit that their offense is better. I just I'm just a big big on Charlie Morton to uh, to beat the A's. So I love Oakland's infield, particularly with Matt Chapman and Matt Olson on the corners, and then Marcus Simeon at shortstop, just coming out of nowhere. He's a potential MVP candidate in the American League. I don't think he realistically win it, but he could certainly finish top five. And so Oakland. They they have some factors that are kind of going against them on both sides of the equation. So their pitchers love to rely on fly balls. That works in Oakland. So maybe for the game against Tampa, that would be great. But as a wild card, they're going to have home field disadvantage against the Astros and then either the Yankees or the Twins if they advance to the ALCS. And their batters really <laughs> embrace the whole uh, home run exit velocity, launch angle, sabermetrics, and because of that, lead to a lot of strikeouts. And 
I think that there there's certainly a lot of reasons to believe that Oakland's success may not be sustainable throughout the whole postseason, but I do think that they get get to Charlie Morton in the first game and they're able to pull out that victory. But if Tampa were to win, that rotation with Charlie Morton as well as Blake Snell and Tyler Glasnow can really take them far, I think. If as long as, you know, they they pitch extremely well and their offense can maybe score some runs from time to time. Yeah, and the revenge narrative for Charlie Morton would be facing uh, his old team as well if they were to pass Oakland as well. Absolutely. And uh, so uh, when you look at Tampa, they had a combined 678 ops against the four other American League playoff teams. So they're really going to need to step things up. One guy who did that in the month of September, Austin Meadows, 354, 443, 687 slash line, earning him player of the month for the American League in September. I just still can't believe that the Pirates traded both him and Glasnow for Chris Archer. And <laughs> that's just, uh, it's it's tough. And Chris, I, Ar- Chris Archer did have some good years with the Rays in the past though like four years ago and that's true I mean I mean it doesn't look good now I'm just saying it I didn't think it looked that bad at the time no and uh these these guys have really made themselves at home in Tampa so I I do think that the Rays could be an interesting team if they were to advance but I'm I'm picking the A's in this this uh wildcard game and there's a lot of scouts who believe that Oakland, of all teams, have the best chance to knock off the Astros in the playoffs. Of course, they're AL West rivals, but Houston, best record in the uh, all of Major League Baseball with 107 and 55, and their their rotation. You know, we talk about some really good rotations. I think that it's fair to say that Justin Merlander, Garrett Cole, and Zach Grinke is the best one, two, three of any team in not just this season, but in recent years. When people say that the A's have the best chance of, of knocking off the Astros, what do they mean by that? Like they can win a game versus the Astros? <laughs> or, I mean, their, their lineup and rotation is still crazy good. I mean, it's basically the same as past. It's even better than it was two years ago, adding Grinky to that rotation. So I don't, I don't know what people are saying if that's actually true that the A's have a. I don't think whether if it's the A's or Rays that win. I don't know. I don't think either team's chances are realistic. I don't know if they're good the chances, Astros. but you're right. They, the Astros are loaded. Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole are going to finish 1-2 in the Cy Young, and it's a toss-up between which one was better. So I, I think Houston is, without a doubt, the team to beat in the Major League Baseball postseason this year. They won the World Series in 2017. There's a very good chance that they'll pull it off again two years later. Like you said, their lineup is phenomenal. And they, Jose Altuve is a recent MVP candidate. Now they got Alex Bregman, who with Mike Trout's injury might be able to steal the American League MVP. From I think him. I think uh, it's based, it's it's similar to the National League where Yelich's injury with Trout's injury, uh, I think Bregman is going to win the AL MVP. And, and DJ LeMayu has also had a great year as well. So I think he'll finish second or third, but I think Bregman's the one who's going to win the world. Yeah, and I think that he's he's more than capable of carrying this Houston team. George Springer won World Series MVP a couple of years ago. He's still in the fold. Carlos Correa, Jose, healthy. Yeah, Jose Altuve. So, Yuri Gurriel. 
Yeah. Houston, they are loaded, and I, I think that's that's all you fair. need to know. No, they <laughs> they are they are top to bottom flawless. Even their bullpen is is looking really good. Roberto Azuna has established himself as a very good closer in this league. So. They were the reason why I didn't think the Red Sox would win the World Series last year. Yeah. Because I, I I liked them to beat the Yankees last year in the ALDS, but when it was Red Sox Astros, I really I didn't think it'd be a blowout or anything, but I I thought the Astros being loaded everywhere would be just too much and would eventually catch up to the Red Sox, especially with how bad their bullpen was in the regular season. But yeah, and the, yeah, the, the Astros, Astros don't, they're still loaded as usual. They don't have a 108-win Red Sox team standing in their way, but they do have 200-plus win teams in the American League that they would have to face in the ALCS if they do survive that long. And those are the New York Yankees and the Minnesota Twins, the two teams who led Major League Baseball in home runs, the Twins 307, the Yankees 306. Now, of course... Playing with the juice ball this year. Home runs were flying by everybody, but these two hit more than anyone else. And I think we can certainly expect to see that trend continue at Yankee Stadium and Target Field in this best of five series. Yeah, I'll admit, I, I did not think highly of Minnesota at all. They are definitely the biggest surprise to me this year. Like last year, I didn't, I didn't take your opinion seriously on the Milwaukee Brewers, and I was proven wrong. This year... I don't know how you felt about the Twins coming into the year, but... I wasn't uh, as big I, on I didn't them as most people. <laughs> I, I thought it'd be the Indians, and maybe the Twins would get second and maybe finish 500 or something, but I did not mm-hmm. expect them. Yeah, I know the, the Twins were certainly a trendy pick. I, I didn't personally see it, but Rocco Baldelli, new manager, he's really uh, taken Minnesota to the new year. heights. Yeah, I think it's, it's very, very much possible that he wins AL Manager of the Year. Uh, so... Let's start with the Twins while we're on the topic of them. Of course, they can hit home runs. Nelson Cruz, 41 home runs. Uh, he is the most in this matchup. Max Kepler had a breakout year. He hit 36 himself. They had a lot of other guys in their lineup. I think eight of their nine position players hit 20-plus home runs this season. So Minnesota certainly can beat teams on offense. The question for them is pitching. And... Their rotation has a lot of question marks because Jacob Odorizzi was phenomenal this year, but he's dealing with a hamstring injury. Jose Barrios is another guy that you can kind of rely on. But then from there, Michael Pineda is suspended. He tested positive PADs. He's not eligible to pitch in the postseason. Kyle Gibson and Martin Perez really struggled this year. For Minnesota, it's going to be a bit of a challenge trying to get guys out. So they're really going to need their offense to come alive, especially against the Yankees team that you know is also going to be able to hit baseballs very far and often against this team. Yeah, I really think it's a wash with both their offenses since they both have been, like you said, they've, they're they 1-2 and two in, in terms of power hitting this year. And I think that trend will continue in this matchup. I think, yeah, the difference is the pitching. For the Yankees, yeah, I think it's going to hurt that they don't have Patances and D- Domingo Herman uh, is out with domestic violence issues, but you still have J.A. Happ, who has, of course, in the past uh, had has had success, and James Paxton, and then Masahiro Tanaka as well. Even though he hasn't had a great year compared to other years, uh, I'm still high on I'm still high on the higher on the Yankees uh, with their pitching staff as well. So. 
if I had to pick between the two, I think it'll be I think it'll be a closer series than maybe people would imagine. But if I had to pick, I'd lean with the Yankees. I also think the Yankees because I I don't know if their rotation is that much better than the Twins because James Paxton's really the guy that you think that they could rely on, but he he had a, a bit of a glute injury late in the season that final weekend. I think he'll be okay to pitch in this series, but their, that's certainly something. Their to watch bullpen for. is also their bullpen. Their bullpen's also that, terrific. That is yeah. what separates them because their bullpen is loaded. They had Araldis Chapman, Tommy Connell, Chad Green, Adam Ottavino, all average 12, 12 plus strikeouts per nine innings, and then Zach Britton, 191 ERA. He only gave up three home runs this season and 61 a third innings pitched. I think that the New York bullpen is going to carry them if anyone. If, if Betances was healthy, you could make a case they have four legit closers on their on their on their bullpen. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, so yeah, I, I wouldn't leave with the Yankees with their entire pitching staff. Yeah, and of course, if you look at their lineup, you know Glaber Torres is looking like a young star. At hey, he led the team of thirty-eight home runs. Gary Sanchez had a bit of a bounce back season. He had thirty-four himself. Brett Garner hitting twenty-eight home runs in the nine spot. Like Aaron Judge had a bit of a down year. John Carlson was hurt, but those guys are still in the fold. So I think that New York, I, I have to give them an advantage over Minnesota, but. One thing you gotta look for with the Twins, they went 52 and 29 on the road this season, best record in all of Major League Baseball. Albeit they did go one and two in both of their trips to Yankee Stadium and Minute Maid Park, so I don't know how much that will uh, help them out against New York and potentially Houston. But Minnesota has shown that they can at least win away from Target Field. That being said, I, I agree. I, I also think it'll be the Yankees. I think it'll be an Astros-Yankees ALCS. On the other side, in the NLCS, I'm going to say it'll be the Dodgers and the Cardinals. And my preseason World Series pick was the St. Louis Cardinals. And I said before that the Cardinals have won in years where it doesn't feel like they should win. And I just, I got to use that as my only reason to still pick St. Louis, take it to beat the Dodgers. And then after upsetting the Dodgers, upset the Astros in the World Series. Realistically, it's going to be Houston, LA, but St. Louis, that's going to be my official pick. And uh, we'll see if I can pull that one off i will go with the absolute boring pick and go with uh astros yankees and the alcs and then i'll go with braves dodgers in the nlcs uh and then astros dodgers and then astros winning it all just the astros are just they're so good everywhere on their roster we've talked about altuve correa bregman uh and Guriel and, and then the pitching staff led by Verlander and Garrett Cole and Zach Greinke. It's just it's just way too much. I I know I've, I basically have had the same opinion of the Houston Astros for the past three years, but it's they've been pretty consistent. They, so I, I like the Astros' t- chances of winning a World Series again. It's the most realistic pick for sure. But I would I wish I can go with some bold call that oh no the the Oakland A's out of nowhere are going to win it all, but. I, I'm I'm going with the. MLB playoffs are always unpredictable, so I think that there's certainly a chance for some some craziness to happen. But Houston, LA, of course, is a popular pick and probably one that uh, most people are choosing, whether they think the Astros or the Dodgers will win. It'll be it'd be pretty funny if the Dodgers lose three years in a row. Well, that would be series. that would be crushing for that team and that fan base. All right, so let's move on and talk 
about the NHL as we have our NHL season preview. We haven't talked about hockey since the Stanley Cup Finals when the St. Louis Blues defeated the Boston Bruins in seven games, but we're back. We're going to go division by division, not quite as in-depth as we did with the NFL, but we'll try to give this sport its justice, and we will start with the Atlantic Division. So, this is a vision where you can maybe make a case that they have the three best teams in the league. With the Tampa Bay Lightning, of course, last year they were embarrassed in the first round of the playoffs by the Columbus Blue Jackets, but they still were easily the best regular season team in the league. And then you had the Boston Bruins, who wound up representing the Eastern Conference in the Stanley Cup Finals, and a Toronto Maple Leafs team that has a phenomenal trio with Austin Matthews, John Tavares, and Mitch Marner. So, Brian, being as this year division, do you see anyone competing with these three teams? Or is it just year after year we're going to keep seeing Tampa, so, Toronto, Boston? So I think I think Tampa, Toronto, and Boston will be the one, two, and three seeds in that division, Wh- whatever you think the order will be. If I had to pick one team that I think can make some noise in that division, I would lean with the Buffalo Sabres. I know that sounds so crazy, but Jack Eichel... Uh, is only getting better and better entering his prime. They drafted Rasmus Dahlin last year, and a young defenseman who's going to be one of the best defensemen, I think, at some point uh, later in his career. They added Colin Miller, who was a former Bruins defenseman who I liked a lot. Uh, They also added Marcus Johansson, who made a big impact for the Bruins last year in the postseason on the Charlie Coyle line, and I liked him a lot. And then they also added Jimmy VC, who was pretty solid with the Rangers out of Harvard. Uh, and I think he can certainly help on what if it's their second or third line. So if I had to pick, I would go with the Sabres as maybe a wild, I would, a wild card team out of that division. So, you know, of course, I, I love the Lightning. They, they didn't fare well in the postseason, but it's hard to see them falling back far enough that they would not be at or near the top of this division once again. Toronto and Boston, we've seen them play some really great uh, competitive playoff series the past couple years, and I I do think that they will both be in the playoffs again as well. So I I do think the Sabres are an intriguing team, but I really want to buy into the Florida Panthers. They they brought in Joel Quenville as their coach from the Blackhawks. Sergei Bobrovsky, of course, a big goaltending signing. Alexander Barkov is really good. And Jonathan Huberdo as well. Yep, Jonathan Huberdo. You got Vincent Trocek in the defense. You got Keith Yandel back there, Aaron Ekblad. They have a lot of talent on this team. The Panthers barely missed the playoffs two years ago. And last season, they finished 10th in the East. They weren't quite as uh, close in terms of the point standings. But I really do think that Florida, it's only a matter of time before they, they break through and make the playoffs. Why not this year? Yeah, why not? I mean, I've heard that. I've heard that as a trendy pick as well. Uh, the Sergei Burbovsky signing is definitely going to help their goaltending. I guess I'm just higher on, slightly higher on Buffalo, even though it's not saying much because Buffalo, they could easily finish in the wild card or they could e- probably finish last again. Uh, but it's just a prediction. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I do like Buffalo this year. I think Jack Eichel is uh, becoming one of the bigger young stars in the league. They brought a new coach in Ralph Kruger. Jeff Skinner, 40 goals last season. He's still around. So I do think Buffalo can make some noise. And you know, what about the Montreal Canadiens? How do you feel about them this year? 
they're gonna suck <laughs> like they did last year with with Claude Julian leading leading them former Bruins head coach of just relying too much on the veterans and not getting much done offensively I I'm not high on the Canadians at all outside of maybe Brendan Gallagher having another good season yeah I mean like the, the Canadians not being a playoff team uh, consistently this this decade and really I mean they haven't won it at all since 1993 so I think it's going to be a longer wait for those Canadian fans. Which is good. Once Def- again this year. Definitely yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So I guess focusing on the top teams in this division, who do you like to win? This might sound like a surprise, but I actually like the Maple Leafs to win the division this year. Um, I mean, like you can make a case for Tampa or Boston as well, but I think their top 6-4 group is really amazing with, like you said, Matthews Tavares. And Mitch Marner, and I think Andreas Johansson uh, could uh, could have a breakout season as well as Kasperi Kapanen. And the biggest weakness for their team was in the past has been their decor. They added Tyson Berry uh, for their for the right side of their def- defensive core, as well as Cody Cece. I- I'm I'm high on the Maple Leafs this year, even though Austin Matthews had that incident. Uh, just recently yeah Yeah. (laughs) the the team found out on twitter yeah out of all places i I can't believe they found out there but even with that incident i still don't think it'll be that big of a distraction i i like toronto um as i don't think it's a upset that they'll win the division because they'll probably they're probably the second favorite but yeah i i'm i'm really high on toronto this year I'm also big on Toronto this season, but I gotta say the Lightning repeat the division. They were just so good last year that I think it'll take a huge drop off for them not to win it again. Nikita Khrushchev, 128 points. He won the Hart Trophy last year. I don't know if he puts up quite those same unbelievable numbers, but I do expect him to continue his great play. They added Patrick Maroon, and they already, of course, have Andre Vasilevsky, Victor Hedman, Steven Samkos. I think that the Lightning... They also added Kevin Shattenkirk, and they still have Ryan McDonough as well on the left side. Yeah, they they have a a ton of talent in Tampa. It's it's more likely that the Lightning will win. I'm just going slightly bold with the Maple Leafs. Hey, and there's nothing wrong with that. So let's move on and talk about the Metropolitan Division. So this division for the past few years has been owned by the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Washington Capitals. Now, last season, the Capitals did win the division again, but they were bounced in the first round by the Carolina Hurricanes, who made a surprise trip to the Eastern Conference Finals. So there's certainly some questions of, can the Hurricanes continue their success? Can Washington and Pittsburgh, two teams that we, we've seen be really good, but have some aging, some aging veteran stars, continue their own success of uh, you know really representing this division and then some of the other teams those new york teams islanders rangers devils what can we expect from them so i still like the capitals to win the division this year with the core of uh, ovechkin and kuznetsov and carlson and so on and so forth but two teams that i'm actually higher on that have not had a lot of success in the past uh, one, the New York Rangers. They signed Artemi Panarin this offseason. That was probably the biggest free agent signing this offseason. They drafted second overall Capo Kaka, which is the coolest name ever. <laughs> and then they also traded and signed uh, Jacob Truba out of Winnipeg uh, to a long extension. So I like the Rangers to make the playoffs. Uh, and then the other team that I think can make the playoffs 
that hasn't had a lot of success in the past is the New Jersey Devils. They added PK, PK Subban uh, this past offseason with a trade with the Predators, and they also drafted Jack Hughes first overall. And they get another year out of uh, Nico Heischer and Taylor Hall uh, together. So I like those teams to make the playoffs in that division, not do anything crazy. Yeah, so I I like both the Rangers and the Devils this season, but I think only one of them is going to get in, and I'm going to lean toward New Jersey just because I think they have a little more talent currently with 2018 MVP Taylor Hall as well as trading for P.K. Subban. And you mentioned the Rangers getting the number two pick. The Devils got the first pick. They got Jack Hughes. I think that he's going to be really, really good this season. And I think the Devils sneak in as one of the final playoff teams in the Eastern Conference as a wild card. I also think the Capitals repeat as uh, the division winners just because they always find a way to be good in the regular season. Uh, And the one team that I haven't mentioned was the exception. Yeah. And the one team I haven't mentioned yet since I picked three teams and, but I haven't chosen a wild card yet. I, I still think the Penguins are good enough to make the playoffs, but I do think it hurts that they don't have Phil Kessel anymore. Yeah, so I I guess, yeah, let's let's talk about the Penguins right now because that's who I was going to get into next. I also think the Penguins are still a playoff team. Of course, they're my number one team in the NHL. So I was very upset about Phil Kessel leaving. He wanted out, and you know, Phil Kessel is a great scorer, but he doesn't do too much else. They went in and they added Alex Galchenyuk, who was a third overall pick in 2012. He's a kind of guy who's had a ton of potential for year after year, but he hasn't really been able to establish himself. We'll see what playing with guys like Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Jake Gensel, who I think is he's going to really step up this year without Kessel in place, and he's going to emerge as the Penguins, arguably their, their number one most reliable scorer with Crosby continuing to get older. Of course, Crosby is a guy who can rely on his assists to still get points. I think that Gensel is a guy who I'm, I'm really looking forward to see how he does this year. And really, my biggest question with them is their defense because, you know, Chris Letang is, has been pretty solid. But outside of him, they, they really went don't ahead have and much. They, they, add, they have Marcus Peterson. But, yeah, I mean, they added – Jack Johnson last season, he was terrible. They lose Ole Mata traded well. for Eric. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, Ole Mata wasn't that good either. They traded for Eric Goodbranson last trade deadline. I don't think he's all that great. Uh, they're really going to have to rely on this, their their offensive. Yeah, this uh, is scoring abilities. A lot of that is why I'm not high on the Penguins this year, but I still think because of their top end talent, they're still going to be in the playoffs. But I don't see them mm-hmm. going any further, especially getting swept by the Islanders out of all teams last year. Yeah, that was uh, that was really bad. I think it's the beginning. Of Matt the Murray. Decline. Yeah, I think yeah, Matt Murray's fine, but I don't see him carrying. He well, no, he needs to step he, up this he, year because yeah, he's been he, a, an average goalie since winning those two. He, Stanley he Cups. was good those those two years, those two Stanley Cup years, but he's just been yeah, like you said, an average goalie ever since. Uh, so yeah, I'm not too high on the Penguins this year. So let's talk about the Hurricanes. So it sounds like you don't think they're a playoff team this year. No, I think that was a total fluke. I mean, they have uh, Andrei Savetchnikov as a great young talent uh, who's eventually going to be a, who's eventually going to be really good in the in this league. But I think last year was Sebastian Ajo. This is just my this is just my opinion. I think it was just a <laughs> big fluke, and they don't really have much outside of him and Sebastian Ajo. 
And they are, they traded, they just traded Justin Falk, one, probably their best defenseman. And I've never been a big Dougie Hamilton guy um, ever since he was traded. I mean, with the Bruins and then when he was traded to the Flames and with the Hurricanes. So I, I think it was a total fluke. And I predicted last year, I mean, I didn't say it on air or anything, but I did think the Bruins would sweep them. And that's exactly what happened. I, I think it's, they're just a fluke team. Yeah, I, I don't know if uh, they're going to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals, but I, I do think the Hurricanes are still a playoff team. Really, their their biggest question mark in my mind is their goaltending, which, of course, is a, a big flaw to have. They're going to rely on Peter Mrazek this season. We'll see what he can do. I think he was fine for Carolina last year, but he, he didn't seem like the kind of guy who could really carry that team. So uh, that's that's really my, my biggest concern with the Hurricanes. All right, so let's talk about the Western Conference, and let's start with the Central Division. And atop of the Central last year, the Nashville Predators. So they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2017, a bit of a surprise playoff run. They lost to the Penguins. And then 2018 and 2019, they won the Central Division. 2018, they lost to Winnipeg in the second round. Last season, they lost to Dallas in the first round. So they're a team after adding Matt Duchesne that a lot of people are wondering, is this the year that they finally get over the hump? So I don't know if they get over the hump, but I do like the addition of Matt Duchesne. I think they're the best part of their team was their uh, defensive core, even trading PK Subban. I mean, they still have Ryan Ellis and Matthias Ekholm and I, they desperately need some, a centerman, and, and some scoring and Victor Arvidsson and uh, Philip Forsberg have provided a lot of the scoring, but Ryan Johansson, he's fine, but not really a great first line centerman. I think Matt Duchesne is definitely an upgrade there. So I think the Predators, I don't know if they win the division, but I think they can definitely make the playoffs and possibly go further. I don't, I don't know if the Duchesne move puts them over the hump and helps them win a Stanley cup though. I really like Nashville this year. Uh, I think that the Duchesne signing was was huge for them. And I we've seen the Predators be really good in the regular season ever since that Stanley Cup run, but they haven't been able to put it together in the playoffs. But I guess looking around the division, the only other team that's really jumping out is me that's much better than them, or you know could be better than them, is the Colorado Avalanche. They have a lot of exciting young talent with, of course, Nathan McKinnon. But then you throw in Gabriel Landeskog, Miko Rantanen, and then Kale McCarr, who was a, the wonderful story in the playoffs last year. Yeah, they have a terrific first line in Landis Gog, um, Rantanen, and, def- and of course Nathan McKinnon, who who I think has been arguably the best player in the past two or three seasons and hasn't even gotten an MVP award. But uh, one team I am really high on in this division is actually the Dallas Stars. The Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, uh, Alex Radulov line is one of the best lines in, in hockey. And they have a good young decor in Mira Heiskanen and John Klingberg. Uh, but they also added Joe Pavelski and Corey Perry, who I know both of them are at the back ends of their careers, but I think both of them, especially Joe Pavelski, who I'm a huge fan of, I think both of them can really help uh, really help the Stars, not just win the division, but maybe even go further in the postseason. I mean, we saw last year they made it all the way to Game 7 versus the Blues in the West Semis, but ended up losing in double overtime. And I think maybe adding those two guys and another year of the younger guys uh, growing can maybe maybe them they could go over the hump. So I 
I actually like the Dallas Stars to win the division this year. I do think that Pavelski and Perry are solid additions in Dallas. And like you said, they're guys, they're, they're on their last legs. But sometimes having that veteran presence for a team that we saw kind of make some noise in the playoffs last year adds some excitement. Uh, I, I'm picking Nashville to win the Central Division, but I do think that both Dallas and Colorado make it to the playoffs. And they'll probably face each other in the first round. So it could be a very exciting series in terms of a wild card berth in this division. How about the St. Louis Blues? The I was, team that I was, won I was, I, the Stanley I was Cup. I was literally just about to bring them up. That I like the Stars, Predators, and Avalanche. And then the other team I like as well is, yeah. Well, I can't say like, but um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> after what happened last season. But yeah, I think the St. Louis Blues are another playoff contender. They really didn't lose anyone and. They added Justin Falk. Well, they lost Patrick Incor. Maroon, but they replaced him with Justin Falk. So yeah, I, I Patrick Maroon, that, I know a he's a local swap. guy for St. Louis, but he was more of a grinder or trash talker for their team. He wasn't really much of a goal scorer, but they still have the the first line in Tarasenko, Shen, and, and, and Jordan Schwartz. So, and Jordan so, Binnington in goal. He, he certainly stepped up in the playoffs last year. I think if he can get himself in that Vezina race, that'll really be big for the Blues in terms of being able to uh, get over some of the teams that I, I think they'll be looking up to. But the Central Division is pretty loaded. And we're not even talking about the Winnipeg Jets. They're a oh team my God. that... Yeah, sure. They were a team that I was super high on the past couple of years, but... They I don't lost know how a I lot feel. Of Patrick Patrick Line really struggled last season. They lost, like I said, Jacob Truba, uh, and I don't I don't know. And maybe Hellebuck could have a bounce back season. Yeah, just the fact that they're probably the team I predict to go fifth, Winnipeg. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a really good division. Well, yeah. Dustin Bufflin is on a leave of absence right now. Like a lot of their best players that are under contract don't even want to play for them right now. I don't know what's going on in Winnipeg. I mean, they still have Blake Wheeler, I guess, but. I've been really big on the Jets past few years. I thought that the Jets were a legitimate Stanley Cup uh, contender yep, last I year. Well. And yeah, they they flamed out in the first round against the Blues. And I don't know if they're even a playoff team anymore. No, and I, I agree with all that. I had I had them. I didn't say it on this podcast, but I began the season last year. I thought it'd be Lightning uh, Winnipeg with Lightning winning. But yeah, they, they've really declined. Uh, ever since last season. So, yeah, I don't even think they make the playoffs. Yeah, and that that's a, a huge disappointment for a team that looks like they were so close the past couple of years. All right, so let's move on to our final division. That is the Pacific Division. And last season, the Flames won the division. They, they played really well throughout the regular season, and like every other division winner, lost in the first round, falling to the Avalanche in five games. And I don't know how I feel about some of Calgary's moves because they they swapped their goalie, Mike Smith, for Cam Talbot from the Flyers. They traded Milan Lucic for James Neal, which is kind of hoping for change of scenery, I guess. Uh, they, they still have Johnny Gaudreau, Mike Giordano, Sean Monaghan, but I, I think it'll be a tall task for the Flames to repeat as Pacific Division winners. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they'll still make the playoffs, but I don't see them going any further. Uh, like you said, they have... Uh, a team led by Johnny Goudreau, Ben's long-lost twin, yeah. and they have Sean Monaghan as well leading that first-line pairing. But, but yeah, like their goaltending situation, I don't understand at all. So I like their offense, and I think they're going to be a fine team and make the playoffs, but I don't see them going any further. I can see something similar to last year where they lose in the first round. 
So the team that I am really big on this year and I think will win the Pacific Division has a really, really good chance of winning even more than that, the Vegas Golden Knights. I was going to say the exact same thing. The team I have winning the division this year is the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, I love their first-line pairing of William Carlson, Jonathan Marcheseau, and Riley Smith. And they they added Mark Stone last year in the trade deadline. Even though he kind of has a ridiculous contract, he still helps their uh, offense a ton. And yeah, that is. I also agree that they're my favorite uh, to win that division. Yeah, I, I think that Vegas. You know, of course, they were the the Cinderella story two years ago, last season. That crushing game seven loss to the San Jose Sharks. It's it's really uh, a big what if where they could part, have gone. Part of that is on them for not calling a timeout after the Sharks scored a goal and they were starting to rally after Pavelski got hurt. But I also thought that was just a stupid call to you know have a five minute major power play and and then end up tying the game. So I yeah that was definitely heartbreaking and. I think this year they can, I don't know if they'll make the Stanley Cup like they did two years ago, but I think they can certainly make it farther than they did last season. Yeah, and I I really like their Stanley Cup chances this year. We'll get into some of our predictions on those later, but sticking, uh, just wrapping up the Pacific Division, the Sharks, they're a team that we were just talking about now. They lost Joe Pavelski, but they were a team that made the Western Conference Finals last year. And is this finally the year that they can get over the edge because it feels sure. like they've come close I, I i'm definitely high on i've definitely been high on the sharks in past years but i think losing i know joe pavelski's 35 years old and he's at the back end of his career but i i do think that was a big loss and then joe thornton is another year older i don't what is he like mm-hmm. 41 now or something ridiculous. yeah i think he's 39 or 40 now so yeah like i, I mean yeah yes they have logan Couture and Tom, tomas hurdle Oh, and they have terrific defensemen in Brent Burns and Eric Carlson. But we saw last year during the Blue Series, they all eventually flamed out. And they all were hurt. I mean, Pavelski, Carlson, they both missed Game 6 of the West Finals last year. And and it just, I think, I don't know if they can get over the hump. I think last year was their their best chance of uh, of winning. So I don't. I, I like them to make the playoffs again, but I don't know how much further they can go, even with a elite defensive core. You know, I, I agree. I thought that I was shocked last year that they lost to the Blues in the Western Conference Finals. I thought San Jose was the most loaded team left in the postseason it, after all the top teams were bounced in the first round. If they if they were healthy, I think they could have won that series. But we saw that they were pretty much get out of gas, and clearly the Blues, with how big the defensemen are. Or how big of a team they are in general, they just wore them out, and the Sharks were basically done. Yeah, now that'll certainly be the key to uh, San Jose's success this season is being able to sustain their you know, their play just from start to finish. So, uh, just another team to look forward to in the Pacific: the Arizona Coyotes, and really just because of Phil Kessel, we'll see what they can do. They averaged two point five five goals per game last season; that was twenty eighth in the league. Phil Kessel can score goals, and I think that he can have some success in Arizona. It's a place that he wants to be. So I think they're a team that could be, you know, they almost made the playoffs last year. I think Kessel gets them over the edge this year. I'm going to say no. I think they, I think that Coyotes <laughs> still stink. And Phil Kessel might already be their best player. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not high in the Coyotes there. I think they still stink. 
but may- hey, maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe we'll be just like the Brewers again, where like I don't take, I don't think highly of them, and then all, all of a sudden they make noise. So who knows? Should we talk about Connor McDavid and the Oilers? No, we. It's such a waste of talent. He's the. You you can tell he's easily one of the, if not the best player in hockey, but he's being completely wasted in that on that garbage team of Edmonton and and Leon Draisaitl as well like it's literally just two guys carrying 16 other bums it's it's such a shame that he's on that team uh, if if he was anywhere else like it it would help just if if Connor McDavid was in a better market it would maybe maybe the sport would grow in popularity but because he's in freaking Edmonton and they have they just don't know how to run a team but just get lucky with striking gold by taking him uh i don't i I just hate it that he's there that's all that's all i have to say yeah i mean when when he won mvp a couple years ago they made the playoffs it it looked like it was just a matter of time before the oilers became a legitimate championship contender and they've been terrible the past two seasons and i agree it is a shame and i don't think that the oilers break that playoff drought this season so uh, let's uh, wrap things up by giving our conference finals and Stanley Cup predictions. So, Brian, I'll let you start off with this one. I'll go with the Maple Leafs to win the Eastern Conference. And in the Western Conference, I like... Wait, who do you have them Dallas. beating in the conference finals? Uh, I have them beating the Washington Capitals. Okay. And and then in the Western Conference, I like the Dallas Stars over the Vegas Golden Knights. And then for the Stanley Cup, I like the Maple Leafs over the Stars. I am surprised that you are high on the Maple Leafs because I'm. I also am high on the Maple Leafs. I know I said I think the Lightning will win the division, but I think the Maple Leafs will advance the Eastern Conference Finals and win the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm going to take them to beat the Penguins just because I don't want to pick any other team in that division to to advance out of it. <laughs> um, I, Capitals is probably a solid pick there. Um, and then on the, the west side, I, I'm i going to go with the Vegas Golden Knights over the Colorado Avalanche. I really like that Avalanche young core, but the Knights are looking really good. So I'm also going Toronto-Vegas. Was that what you just said, right? I said No, I went with Toronto-Dallas. You said Toronto-Dallas. Okay, yeah, you're right. I had Vegas so in the west. Uh, I'm going to take, take Vegas over Toronto. I think that the uh, Canadian Stanley Cup drought lasts just a little bit longer. Uh, but that the Vegas team winning the Stanley Cup in just year three would be absolutely unbelievable if they do pull it off. If it's Vegas Toronto, I'm absolutely rooting for Vegas. Like, yeah, like oh, I don't I'm want sure. I don't want Toronto to win. I'm just making a you just hockey prediction. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, let's uh, wrap things up now, like we always do with our top five. And this Friday is National Taco Day, and Taco Bell is celebrating National Taco Day. Give the gift of tacos. This holiday season, spread the taco cheer. Uh, Go to nationaltacodaygiftset.com. Fill out the form with your friend's email and a personal message. They'll receive a digital gift card to use toward the exclusive National Taco Day gift set available only on October 4th. For just $5 plus 50 cents to help cover the tax, it includes two crunchy tacos, and two nacho cheese Doritos Locos tacos. That's four tacos for just $5 plus 50 cents. 
digital gift cards can only be used on TacoBell.com or on the Taco Bell app. As a reminder, that's NationalTacoDayGiftSet.com only on Friday, October 4th. Taco Bell, live mas. And then when, and during the World Series, when someone steals a base, you can steal a taco as well. Yeah, so let's look forward to our free tacos later this month. Uh, All right, so for National Taco Day, we are going to count down our top five items on the Taco Bell menu in today's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. So I will go first with my top five. At number five, I went with chips and nacho cheese. It's just it's just a very simple menu uh, item on the menu. And you can get that for probably about a dollar fifty or maybe a little bit more. But I just I'm a huge fan of nachos and it's a simple thing on the menu. And I didn't have it too much higher because there are so much other better things on the menu that I like. So I went with that as my number five. They're a simple side, but they're a good one. Um, So they just barely miss my list. Uh, But at number five, Mountain Dew Baja Blast. And I know now you can get Baja Blast at places other than Taco Bell. But for a long time, it was only something you can get at Taco Bell. And every time I go to Taco Bell and eat in the store, I get Baja Blast as my drink. Or even if I take it to go and I get a drink with my combo menu. So number five, I got to gotta give a shout out to uh, my favorite non-original Mountain Dew flavor. So for my number four, I also went with a drink. Uh, for number four, I went with the Orange Crush Freeze. And when I, so years ago, I used to work uh, at a driving range and during my breaks around two o'clock, which was happy hour at Taco Bell, I would always go to Taco Bell, get my meal, and then I would always get my one dollar orange crush freeze. And it was the most and it was only a dollar during happy hour. It was, it was the most amazing thing ever. And the only complaint I would have about it is that it's it tasted a little too creamy for me. And I wish it was just more of the orange crush soda tasting taste for the, the drink, but other than that it was it's it was amazing and it's not on the menu all the time sometimes they take it out and remove it for other flavors like the the strawberry starburst one but i'm a huge fan of it when it is out so i went with that as my number four yeah that's always one of the the disappointing things about taco bell is when they have really great menu items that go off the menu Uh, but i do need to hit up taco bell happy hour sometime that sounds like a great deal Uh, so my number four crunchwrap supreme it's a classic. Everybody loves it. Uh, it's it's not my number one favorite, but I got to include it on my top five. It's just every now and then it's just a great go-to item on their menu. And uh, in terms of just a like basically a national phenomenon that the Crunchwrap Supreme becomes. So I do really love Moe's version of it. The uh, Their stack, I, I get the wrong dug often, and I put that above the Taco Bell Crunchwrap Supreme, which is the biggest reason why it's a little lower on my list. But that doesn't mean that Taco Bell doesn't do a great job with their own version. So for my number three, I went with the Cheesy Gordita Crunch. And I'm just going to read off the description of it. It's got feature. It features seasoned beef, shredded lettuce, shredded cheese, pepper jack sauce, and it's inside of a crunchy uh, taco shell, and it is really, really good. And the only reason why I don't have it super, super high on my list at one or two is 
it is a little bit pricey. It's not like it's on the dollar menu. It's almost four dollars, which I know is I'm a. When you hear that, I sound like a cheapskate, but <laughs> I do. I, it's I value I value the dollar menu like at any place I go to. So I'll admit, I it's it deserves to be more than a dollar because of how good it is, but it is a little bit pricier than I wish it was. So I have the cheesy gordita crunch as my number three choice. That is a great choice. I used to eat those quite a bit uh, freshman year of college when I had a Taco Bell on campus. Um, number three for me is the quesarito. Half quesadilla, half burrito. This is an item that I thought was just going to be a limited time offer, but I guess it was popular enough that Taco Bell has kept it around for all these years. And I, I, I just love the concept of being able to combine two great uh, dishes and two one and uh, I, I traditionally enjoy it with uh, steak but most of their meats are pretty solid in it so quesarito my number three for my number two it's kind of similar i went with the frito burrito uh, that you can get on the dollar menu and uh, it has the beef the rice and then the fritos inside and my favorite thing about it is when when you take a bite into it, if you get the crunchy part of it, it is amazing. But it is, I don't like it if, as a surprise, if you eat into it and there is no crunch and it's, it's just, it's just awkward. But you can get that on the dollar menu still. Uh, it's been on the dollar menu for some time now. And uh, it is one of my favorite things to get when I go to Taco Bell. And you can get it for a dollar anytime. You don't need happy hour to get it. You can get it uh, for a dollar at any time of the, of the day as long as it is Taco Bell is open. So I went with the Frito Burrito as my number two choice. So at number three, I said the Quesarito. And number two, just a plain old quesadilla. I love Taco Bell's quesadillas. They're such a simple item, but they always get the job done, whether it's chicken or steak. And of course, Taco Bell's quesadilla sauce is unreal. And Brian, I'll let you finish this conversation because I know yeah, what you have coming I went up with at the, number one. I went with the quesadilla as well as my, but as number one, not number two, as my my number one choice. It's easily my favorite thing to get at Taco Bell. And not only that, not only you can get chicken or steak, you can also get the shredded chicken quesadilla as well for only a dollar as well. I, as you can see, I value as getting as cheap of a cheap of a meal as I can and. Yes, the the getting the chicken or steak, the regular one is is better, but the fact that you can get the shredded chicken one for only a dollar is huge as well. So getting either any of those choices for a quesadilla is huge, and it does taste amazing. So quesadilla is my number one thing that I get when I go to Taco Bell. Quesadilla was my initial number one on my list, but then we started talking about some throwback menu items, some of their limited time offers, and that was when I remembered the double XL nachos were a thing at one time, and oh my, were those delicious. So double XL, that tells you how big they were. It came with uh, like a pico de gallo salsa as well as sour cream and guacamole. I'm not a huge fan of either sour cream and cream or guac, so I got it with just the um, mild salsa, 
but that tells you how big it is that it needed all those dipping sauces. Of course, it came with your refried beans and it had your meat and lots of cheese, both sprinkled and like a nacho cheese on it. They were so good and I'd feel gross after eating the whole thing, but when do you not feel gross after eating Taco Bell? So to me, it's easy choice number one. Yeah. It is arguably the the grossest place. Well, not like after after eating your meal, you just oh, feel I don't know if too just, many people you, you would even argue like with worst, it. You feel like the worst person ever. You feel like in the inside, like everything's about to explode. And out yep. of all the fast food places, that's where I feel the worst after it, even though it tastes so amazing. Yeah, it, <laughs> it is It is definitely a polarizing fast food restaurant for that reason. But of course, it's so good. And hey, Kevin Love was the one who advertised those double XL nachos, and he's still playing in the NBA, so they must be... Yeah, but how good, how good <laughs> is Kevin Love right now, especially being in Cleveland? That was five years ago, so... Yeah, maybe um, that's why maybe that's why LeBron left. He saw yeah. that, oh my God, Kevin Love, <laughs> he's eating way too much Taco Bell. I need to get out of here now. <laughs> Uh, it's, that's, that's a bad thing on LeBron, not on Kevin Love, if that's true. <laughs> so, all right, that wraps up today's episode. Uh, we hope you enjoyed us talking about sports other than football this week, because in two weeks, we'll be back to talk NBA as the regular season starts to get underway. We'll have Ben back on that one. We know he's a big basketball fan. We'll get to hear all the good things he has to say about the Oklahoma City Thunder's chances in 2020. Chris Paul will lead the Oklahoma City Thunder to the uh, NBA championship, right? <laughs> Maybe 20 wins. We'll see. One or the other. Um, <laughs> I think I'd lean with the latter there. Yeah. <laughs> if I had if I had to pick, had to pick, if you're forcing me to choose, I think they're not going to do well this year. Sorry, <laughs> All right. So for my co-host, Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.